Thank you, JR. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're continuing this morning in our sermon series entitled, One Thing at the Feet of Jesus. We talked last week about Mary and Martha and how they model for us two key aspects of the discipleship life, the life of following Jesus. And they are being with Jesus, that's Mary, and doing for Jesus, that's Martha. I encourage us not to think of this as a choice between two options for us, but rather think of it as a revolving door of sorts, a rhythm that guides us both in towards Jesus, to be with him, to hear from him, but also out towards the world so that we can go be like him. We talked about the dangers of upsetting that God-given rhythm and how distraction and worry can keep us from hearing Jesus' words and being sent out in his name. So the goal of this series during our Lenten season is to do two things. First, it gives us an opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him, from his teaching, his character, his action. And second, it gives us a model of what it might look like for us to follow in Jesus' footsteps as he did. So each week throughout the season up until Easter, we're looking at the stories of Jesus' interactions with people and as we do so, we're going to sit at the feet of Jesus, and we're going to learn from him. And then, it's my prayer that we're going to go out, and we're going to go be like him to a world that needs him. As I said last week, my prayer is that our being with Jesus might inform our doing for Jesus, and our doing might inform our being. So you're invited into the great revolving door of faith, and I hope that you can feel that rhythm throughout the season. In our text today, we see a way that the way that in which Jesus heals a man of leprosy. It's a miraculous healing. Jesus sees this man in deep need who comes to him, and his needs are met because the man approaches him with a petition. He says, Lord, I know that you can make me clean. This kind of petition is actually something that we try and practice every week. It's why we give space for what Paul did just a couple minutes ago, prayer requests, prayers of the people in our services. And when we take prayer requests during our services, more often than not, the vast majority of prayers that are lifted up are indeed petitions for people in need. It's most common, in my experience, for us to hear petitions for other people rather than ourselves, which is totally appropriate. Every once in a while, I can think of a few notable times when some of you will make your own individual needs known before these friends hear in prayer requests. But to be honest, that's not real common. We're not very good at naming our needs. I've thought about the numerous times in my life where I can identify that I was really needful of something. And I freely admit that I don't always go to Jesus or come to you and say, hey, would you go to Jesus with me on this thing for healing and wholeness and to meet my need? If I'm being honest, much more, I'm much more likely to go to my doctor or dentist or try and solve the problem myself, change rhythms in my life, or maybe find a book that I think will help solve some of these issues or help me. Maybe in a moment of weakness, I will log on to WebMD and do some self-diagnosis. 
I also want to recognize that some of us carry baggage around the ideas of, of faith and healing, prayer and need, wounding stories of unanswered prayers and unmet needs and misunderstood intentions and empty promises. So maybe that maybe we can agree on the whole that our concept of the relationship between our need and our faith is kind of loaded for us, for most of us. It's probably a little confused, and it's probably unbalanced. And I'm at the front of the line. So with that admission in mind, I think what I would want to say this morning is there's no better place for us to go than the feet of Jesus. Let's sit at the feet of Jesus and watch what's happening here. Let's Let's look at how Jesus is with this man. So let me walk through this passage verse by verse and point out a few things for you along the way. First, in verse 12, it starts by saying, once Jesus was in one of the cities and there was a man covered in leprosy. The man goes unnamed. We don't have a name for this man. But his defining characteristic was his need, right? He had leprosy. And this was not a simple case of leprosy. It says he's covered or, or he is full. He's full of it. He was full of leprosy. The term leprosy, by the way, can refer to a wide variety of skin or neurological diseases as we think about in the first century, like psoriasis or lupus or ringworm or, or more severe things. Whatever it was, back then it was a visible and nasty disease that this man had. And this man's form of disease was treated indeed as if it was quite contagious. And the people of the first century in Jesus' time, they didn't take chances with leprosy. You couldn't afford to do that. To have this disease was not even really primarily a physical detriment, though it was. It was actually a social disease. To have this disease meant that you were ostracized. In fact, Scripture tells us that people who had this condition had to announce it to others by, by shouting whenever they walked into a place where someone was going, Hey, everybody, I'm unclean. I'm unclean, just so you know, make a way, make a path, I'm, I'm unclean. Can you imagine the pain and the disgrace of declaring your uncleanliness everywhere that you arrived? It's horrible. It has to do something to your, to your heart and your view of yourself. The real pain of this disease was in its social isolation, the way in which it makes someone an outcast. Verse 12 continues, when the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. So despite his disease, this man approaches Jesus with humility. He bows before him. A better translation of his words is probably, Lord, if you're willing, if you're willing, you can make me clean. The man's request raises the question of Jesus' willingness to heal, not his capability or ability to heal. In fact, the leper asserts that Jesus can definitely do this. He can definitely do the healing. Perhaps he feels beyond the reach of God's mercy and goodness, so he expresses himself timidly before Jesus. But I think the very fact that he approaches Jesus and addresses Jesus makes it clear to me that this man has courage. This man has boldness. What is decidedly less clear is the nature of his request. I know that I said that this text is a, is a story of healing, and clearly this man receives a miraculous healing, but his request actually wasn't for healing, was it? 
the emphasis of his request is on cleanliness. A theme that's picked up in multiple verses of this passage. So is Jesus being asked to pronounce this leper clean? Or is he actually being asked to cure him of a disease? Because asking for cleansing and healing is not the same thing. They're actually really quite different words in the original language. The word for healing is, is where we get the word for therapy or, or therapeutic. It indicates a, a cure, a remedy, a, a, a therapy. But the word for cleansing is where we get our English word catharsis or cathartic. It has more of a spiritual and emotional quality, a whole, an idea of wholeness. Cleansing had everything to do with, with going to the priest and the temple system and, and proclaiming, uh, once you're deemed clean, proclaiming you as part of the society again. And more important, proclaiming you right before God. It would have been appropriate for this leper to ask Jesus for healing, much like the the Syrian Naaman does in the Old Testament story in, in 2 Kings with the prophet Elijah. In that story, Naaman asked for healing rather than cleansing because he's not a Jew. There's no system for him to be cleansed through a cleanliness, cleanliness law that he doesn't even follow. But this leper was clearly of Jewish background. And he asserts that Jesus is indeed able to cleanse him. But here's what's strange about that. That's, strictly not, that, that's not strictly true either. According to the Levitical code, the task of cleansing somebody was actually reserved only for priests, and Jesus has not made himself known as a priest yet. But look what happens in verse 13. Then Jesus reaches out his hand, touched him, and said, I do choose. Be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Here we hear Jesus' words, be made clean. However, Luke announces that the leper was not made clean, but that indeed the leprosy had left him, suggesting that this man was completely released from the disease of leprosy. Jesus does this by reaching out his hand and touching the man, showing the tender touch and compassion and acceptance to a man who couldn't be touched by others. The combination of Physical and, and societal social healing and cleansing restores this man whole immediately. By the way, Jesus is technically breaking the law um, here when he reaches out and he touches what has so clearly been deemed unclean. So it seems a bit strange that in verse 14, you know, he would be concerned about doing things the correct way according to the law. We read about that in verse 14. It says, go and show yourself to the priest now. Go through this process. Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 outline how one is to be treated as a leper and then documents how lepers, the process that they have to go through to be declared clean again and, and readmitted, readmitted into society through a process of inspection by the priests and in the temple. So even though he, he just broke the law of Moses by touching this man, Jesus also indicates care for the law of Moses by sending this man to the priest for, for lawful inspection and an offering that is required in the book of Leviticus. So according to the law, the man's testimony before the priest would actually last about a week long. It would, that's how long it would take to inspect him and, and make sure that he was clean. Which is probably why Jesus says, don't speak of this to anybody. Because he wanted to give space for the correct legal proceedings to take place so as not to minimize Jesus' ministry or this own man's testimony. 
clearly there's a lot going on in this passage, right? And as I've worked through this passage this week, I, I, I was pulled in a number of different directions. I understand the passage much better than I did a, a week ago, but I still question what does this passage mean for us? What does it mean for me? I'm still in some ways sitting at the feet of Jesus and asking, Lord, what are you trying to teach us as a church through this word? First of all, I mean, just looking at the character of Jesus, we have to deduce that he is loving and compassionate, that he's able to both heal and cleanse and willing to do so. Praise be to God. He's also willing to to cross the barriers into the uncleanliness of our lives and do redemptive work. Praise be to God. The character of Jesus is obviously compelling and beautiful in this passage. But I want to focus a little bit more on this, on this man, this leper. I think the fascinating thing about him, and this is what was really highlighted for me this week, is that he owns his layers of need. His needs are out there for everybody to see, right? I mean, his physical need was, was obvious. He was wearing it. You could see it. And if you couldn't see it, you could hear him when he walked in the room going, hey, everyone, unclean, unclean guy here. Unclean, just to let you know, I'm unclean. His need was plain. But there was a deeper need. And we we see that when he says, if you're willing to cleanse me, he's highlighting that emotional, spiritual need that we have. He's he's saying, basically saying, I'm not right with God, and I'm not right with my neighbor. I'm lonely, I'm, I'm ashamed, I'm isolated, I want to be made whole. He doesn't have to say the obvious need. I have leprosy. Jesus knows that. Everybody knows that. But he names his deep need. And part of the miracle of the story is that Jesus chooses to meet both needs. The more I read this passage, the more I'm uh, intrigued by this man's posture and his request. The posture is mixed with, with courage and faith and humility. His request was for cleansing, a deep spiritual and emotional need for cleansing. He had a physical issue, but that wasn't his request. He was more concerned with being made right before God and the people around him through that cleansing process. And I think that posture is really instructive for me and and hopefully for us this morning. I couldn't help but think numerous times throughout this week of the biggest prayer request that's been on my heart in the past couple of months as I was looking into this gospel story. Some of you have been praying along with me for a dear friend of mine who's facing the end of his marriage, one of my uh, very best friends, longtime friend. It's been extremely painful for me to walk through this dark valley with my friend as he wonders what's going to happen next for him and for his wife and for his kids. There hasn't been a worship service, including this morning, in the last couple months where I haven't gotten emotional just thinking about him and, and how my heart breaks for him. So a couple of months ago, I began to ask the question of my friend, what, what, what does it mean for me to be a good friend to you right now? I need, I need to know, what does it mean for me to be a friend to you? I don't, I don't know how to do this. I, I don't know how to do it, so you need to help me. So his response was, you know, one of the main things is just call, leave a voicemail, text me every once in a while, let me know that you didn't forget about me. And he said, and obviously I just need prayer. So I asked him a question, which I've asked many of you before and and ask often of people. 
I say, well, what's your, what's your heart's prayer? What's your deepest prayer right now? Because I want to join you in the deepest parts of your, of your prayer life, your deepest prayers. And his reply was this. He said, Lars, I'm completely naked emotionally right now in front of God and everyone that I meet, and I just need to stay there. That's my prayer. Pray for me that I can stay there so that I can make it through each day because otherwise I'm not going to make it through the day. It's not quite what you would expect, is it? I mean, you might expect him to go, pray for my marriage to be saved or pray for protection for my kids, please. But he didn't need to say that. Those were obvious needs and, and obviously I'm praying fervently for both of those things. He went straight to the deepest need, the naked need, the the spiritual and emotional need. And, I, and I've joined him in prayer in those deepest needs for the last couple months. A few weeks after that request, he, he wrote these words to me. He said, I'm at my end, but I'm meeting a really incredible and loving and covering and gracious God there. I've turned my wife over to Jesus. I don't panic anymore. I'm at a total loss as to what to do now and what to do about these incredible kids. And yet, I get what AA folks talk about when they say, one day at a time. I'm in it, friend, but I'm okay. Grace abounds, joy abounds, love abounds in all of our lives. That is a courageous and faithful and humble posture. He didn't ask for the obvious request, the one that God already knows, the one I already know. He owned his need with a naked emotion, no shame. He's coming to Jesus and he's saying, let me get real about my deepest need. It's like he's walking around and, and, and proclaiming to everyone, hey, everyone, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I got a situation that's, uh, that's wrecking my life. I'm, I'm barely making it through the day, everybody. Just want to let you all know, barely making it through the day. I couldn't be more proud of him for that. And I pray that he might be cleansed and and healed, that God would meet his deepest need and somehow restore his marriage and keep that family together. But let me tell you something, no matter what the outcome, he is already cleansing, my friend. Much like the leper, he's still got to walk through a bunch of legal proceedings. There's a process that goes on here, but either way, he's getting to that deepest need and he's modeling a posture and a petition for me that will serve as a model going forward. So here's my takeaway for you this morning. Bring your layers of need to Jesus. Do it with a humble posture of faith and courage. Have no shame. Jesus already knows your need, by the way. And I'm guessing probably most of the people around you do too. <laughs> but go deeper then. Bring that emotional, spiritual layer of need to Jesus with boldness as well. I have to ask, I mean, what, what would happen if we did that at our church? When we take prayer requests at church, what, what if we treated it like the leper on that day with Jesus? What if we heard people proclaim here going, I'm desperately lonely today. I'm racked with guilt and fear. Hey, everybody, I'm weighed down with sin and I don't know what to do with it. I'm deeply depressed, just want to let everybody know. I've lost hope. Man, it would take boldness and courage and faith to do that. 
that's where cleansing begins. And who knows, maybe healing and restoration will follow. There's one thing I do know in this passage, and it's that Jesus is willing and able to cleanse, to meet our need layer after layer, deeper and deeper. And as we sit at the feet of Jesus and we watch him turn this leper into just a man, right? Not a leper anymore. He's just a man now. How can we not jump in and be next in line? I mean, put yourself in that story. Wouldn't you be the next person in line? Imagine being there. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you hop up and say, hey, Jesus, wow, work for that guy. Hey, I'm dying inside. I'm barely making it through each day, Jesus. I'm unclean too. And hey, Jesus, if, if you're willing, I know that you can cleanse me and you can make me whole. As we close this morning, I want to ask a few questions as a way of responding to this text and responding to God's word. My questions are this. What is your obvious layer of need? My guess is that you already know what that is. You, You probably knew it the first second I mentioned it. But now I want you to go deeper. What's your spiritual and emotional need? And lastly, the most important question, don't you think it's time to bring those to Jesus? To bow down and lay those at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to encourage you this morning to to do so. I'm going to invite you to just bow your head with me. I'm going to pray. This is my prayer. I'm I'm not putting this prayer on any of you. This is is mine, and then I'm going to give you space to sort of form your own, too. I want to start this morning by modeling this. Jesus, I'm tired. But you already know that. Everyone else around me can probably see that. Jesus, life wears me out and it weighs me down and life has been heavy in our world and in our nation and in my life. Lord Jesus, I want to dig beyond that obvious need. I want to dig a little deeper. And I want to bring before you my my naked emotional need. Jesus, I need to learn what it means to rely on you for strength instead of relying on myself. Lord, I stand up here and, and I pastor and I tell people how to do that. And I got to confess... I don't think I'm very good at it. And I don't always know how to do it. Jesus, my need is is naked before you. I need a fresh vision of reliance and dependence upon you. Or else I'm just going to keep getting worn out. Jesus, if you're willing, I know that you can make me whole in this way. With your head bowed this morning, I have to believe that many of you are feeling led to bring your layers of need to Jesus this morning. I trust that the Holy Spirit is putting that on your heart. I think that some of you might need to say those needs aloud this morning to 
proclaim them for everyone to hear. So I want to give us a moment to do that, to come to Jesus in this place and bring our layers of need to him in silent prayer or aloud as you're led this morning.